Welcome to Section 27 podcast series on the National Health Insurance, a plan meant to ensure that all South Africans have access to comprehensive health care. The NHI plan is critical in fixing South Africa's ailing health care system, but those monitoring the NHI bill are concerned about transparency and accountability. And Marcus Lowe, the editor of Spotlight, shares some of the concerns. He's on the phone from his Cape Town office. Welcome, Marcus. Hi, thanks for having me. You believe that NHI is starting from a position of weakness and needs concrete and specific plans to overcome this. Can you explain some of these major weaknesses? So what I mean by that is that, you know, in implementing NHI, we have to take into account the current context in the country. Um, so we're coming out of years of what we call state capture, you know, which is two, two elements to my mind. On the one hand, it's, it's about corruption. So we have deeply entrenched corruption at national level, but also in provincial departments of health. So, I mean, that's one aspect people often forget. It's not just ESCOM and PRASA and these things. It's also at provincial level. Um, so there's this deeply entrenched culture of corruption. And then together with that, you know, there's been a huge loss of capacity in provincial departments of health, um, as in many other areas of the public service. So often the people who would object to corruption or would try to do the right thing would be sidelined. And what you end up with is provincial departments where a lot of the you know, senior positions are held by people who are essentially political appointments and, you know, are not necessarily the best people for the job. So that's a position of weakness I refer to in the article I wrote about this. Um, and it has, you know, significant implications for our ability to implement NHI. We, we're going to need people to run the bureaucracy of NHI, to run the contract, to, you know, make sure everything runs smoothly. And that's, that's one of the big challenges. How transparent is government about the cost implications of this massive new healthcare plan? That's actually quite a difficult question. Um, so, you know, I've spent some sympathy for government not having provided that much detail because the cost of NHI will depend on what is covered. So we don't know what services NHI will cover at the moment. Um, and obviously, if NHI covers expensive cancer treatment, it will be quite expensive. And if it doesn't, it will be a lot cheaper. So, you know, it is, it is, it's almost impossible to accurately cost NHI at this stage. Um, but that said, I think government could have done more to cost or to do costings of different scenarios to give people an idea um, of how it might play out. Um, you know, and there are other aspects to this. We don't, you know, the, the one aspect is what it will cost the state, but then there's also the cost implications for, uh, you know, providers of services, so private hospitals who are now usually profitable will presumably be less profitable under NHI. So what, we don't know what the implications of that is. Specialists who earn large salaries in the private sector at the moment might not be able to do so under NHI. So, you know, there's, there's not so much a transparency issue in this regard. It's more that it would have been good if government did more um, planning and 
you know, publish more scenarios and assessments of how, how it might play out. Because the more uncertainty there is, the more skeptical people are about NHI. So for someone like you who works in, you know, in the area of um, TB and HIV, um, if you could tell government about the vagueness of this plan, what would you say? I mean, in the area that you operate in, what would you have liked to see in this bill? Yeah, so that's quite a difficult question. Um, one of the, I mean, regarding HIV at least, um, you know, the HIV conditional grant um, will fall away under NHI. So that money that's specifically set aside for um, HIV, you know, which we can argue about how effective that has been, but I, you know, in, in principle, I think it, it, it's been a good thing to have money specifically for HIV. So there is a risk that some of the HIV-specific programs will struggle in future. Does the NHI bill have provisions for stringent management of the NHI fund? Well, the the bill states quite clearly that it, you know, like other areas of government spending, it will be subject to the Public Finance Management Act. But I think if there's one lesson we can take from the law decade or so, it's that the PSMA in itself is not necessarily sufficient protection against corruption and irregular expenditure and, and this kind of thing. So, you know, I, I'd say the, the bill would be strengthened if, or let me put it this way, I think instead of sticking to the current standards in, in terms of procurement and transparency, etc., I think NHI should set a new standard, and that should be the ambition and the goal. We should put in additional mechanisms to ensure that we don't see what we've seen with ESCOM, etc. Um, and I guess the other aspect of that is that we probably discussed this in previous podcasts is the governance concern. So the minister has an enormous amount of power over various, you know, the board and various appointments um, in the NHI structure, which obviously creates a risk of political interference. So, Marcus, with the vast inequality um, in the country, which also massively, you know, is evident in healthcare provision, um, is it possible that people will pay roughly the same amount they're paying for private healthcare, I mean, for the NHI? So that's one of the things we, we just don't know. You know, we don't know what NHI is going to cost. But in theory, you know, if you pay today your medical member, you pay maybe 3000 a month. You know, we don't know what, how that's going to change under NHI. Maybe you'll pay an additional 1000 rand in taxes a month, but will you then still pay 2000 for your additional medical scheme cover? We, we, we just don't know these things. So as an individual, we don't, well, individuals who can afford medical, medical scheme coverage at least, you know, we don't know our total spending on health is going to be less or more. Um, and what we're going to get for it. So with this kind of uncertainty, it's, it's understandable that people are, you know, are worried. So th- I guess that the, one of the worries is that the cost can just balloon and uh, people may find themselves worse, worse off than they are now. I mean, those who are belonging to medical aid schemes. I think that that is the fear that people will pay, they might pay what they, additional taxes, etc. But then they might be in a position where they still don't want to use the NHI systems if they're concerned about quality, you know, and then pay a very high rate to still get some kind of medical skin cover. It's not clear how that's going to play out. 
I think the, the fears of cost ballooning is, like I explained earlier, I think what would happen is we'll get, NHI will cover the services we can afford. So if it gets too expensive, it will just be that fewer services are covered, fewer medicines, for example, or expensive cancer treatment. So, in, you know, cost, there will be ways to contain costs. Um, the question is more what, what will we get for our money? And is there a way that um, government could have at least um, estimates of these costs? Is it possible that, you know, perhaps as people make submissions, that could be one of the submissions to have some kind of like mechanism where they can estimate costs? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the difficulties, like I said earlier, is it is very hard to estimate costs if you don't know what you're going to be paying for. Um, But I, I would agree that some costing scenarios would be useful, you know, for example, if we say if the NHI cover X, Y, and Z services, this is the kind of cost we, we might see, and that would be useful. I, I, it gets complicated very quickly because, you know, there are significant cost save, potential cost savings under NHI. Um, which we haven't talked about yet, but if, if you have one big fund, you know, then doing most of the purchasing, then suppliers have no choice really but to contract for that fund, you know, because there's nobody else buying. So that can lead to very significant cost reductions. And in the private sector, we are certainly overpaying um, for healthcare. So there can be cost savings as well. Um, but again, it's all the complex calculations and scenario mapping and planning. You know, to the extent that it's been done, it's not been made public, um, and it's not been explained well enough to the public. And, and like I said earlier, the more uncertainty there is about NHI, the more resistance people will have. So when it comes to contracting units for primary health care, um, which is termed as, as CUPS in the bill, and district health management offices, is, is there a possibility that they may abuse um, their power and affect how NHI is rolled out, you know, especially for rural communities? Yeah, so, I mean, this comes back to some of the key issues with the bill. I mean, we're going to see some form of NHI, and these are some of the areas in, in which I think we can, there are things we can fix. So, at district level, we don't quite know how district health offices, management offices are going to function. We know there are going to be components of national government, which is concerning because, that, you know, like the minister has a lot of power, but also centralizes power. Um, and we also don't know much about how the contracting units will function. Now, what will be critical and something which the bill could be stronger on is to say the district health management offices, everything they do must be transparent. So the way they set priorities in a district, epidemiological information about a district, uh, planning, all that needs to be transparent. The contracting units also have to be transparent because you know, if the, I live in Claremont, so if the hospital next to my house is not contracted, but one 10 kilometers away is contracted, I need to know why, why have you contracted this hospital and not the other. So there are issues about transparency and obviously, I mean, this will be large amounts of money, so there will be uh, some people who would want to corrupt the system. But there are two key things. The one is we need transparency at district level and at sub-district level. Sub-district level is where the contracting unit functions. So, for example, we need to know why the contracting unit contracts this facility and not that facility. Are there good reasons? Or is it because 
someone here is friends with someone there or you know that kind of thing so we need transparency of all the decisions that are made but then we also need mechanisms to hold these structures accountable so this is one of my main concerns with the current bill is you know if the contracting units here in my sub-district act in a way that's irrational or corrupt who do i complain to at the moment that's not clear at local level we need to have um, committees it's not just clinic committees or hospital boards or things like that but things that function at a district or sub-district level where community representatives can hold these structures accountable so that you know if in our if here in claremont we have an issue that you know i can go to my representative and he can go and sort it out at the at this committee, um, instead of us having to send letters to Pretoria and hope, hope that something's going to happen. I guess the final point to make on this is that at, at the moment, the bill feels very much like a bureaucracy that will be run by the minister with very little accountability. And I think the bill will be, or we'll get a much more effective and a much more accountable NHI if, if that changes, if we change it into something that's more transparent, it's accountable to Parliament and to the people in more, you know, clearer ways. And it's not the minister's project, but it's something that more people can own and take ownership of, you know. And for people to take ownership, you need accountability. You need structures where people can get involved. Well, Marcus Lowe, editor of Spotlight, thank you very much for giving us your time on NHI podcast series for Section 27. Great, thank you very much. Section 27 and the Treatment Action Campaign will be making a submission on the National Health Insurance Bill. The deadline for public comment is 29 November 2019. In the lead up to this deadline, we are asking the public to give us input on issues we have identified that need to be reviewed. These are governance, transparency and introduction of untested structures. To give your input, go to wwwsection 27 dot org dot za forward slash national dash health dash insurance